which had the Bible reading in lots of different languages on it. Um, I hope your language is there. Is there anybody who's angry because their language is not included? Uh, uh, forgive me, I'm going to read it in English, okay? Um, which is, uh, I think, the first version. And for those of you who haven't got it on a, on a piece of paper, it's coming up there. So uh, what I'm going to read is part of a letter written by John, who was one of Jesus' first followers, and he's writing about Jesus, and he calls Jesus here the word of life. Okay, So let's follow this together and read and take it in. Here is what we announce to everyone about the word of life. He was already here from the beginning. We have heard him. We have seen him with our eyes. We've looked at him. Our hands have touched him. That life has appeared. We've seen him. We give witness about him and we announce to you that same eternal life. He was already with the Father he has appeared to us. We announce to you what we have seen and heard. We do it so you can share life together with us. And we share life with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing this to make our joy complete. Here is the message we've heard from him and announce to you. God is light there is no darkness in him at all. Suppose we say that we share life with God, but we still walk in the darkness. Then we're lying. We're not living by the truth. But suppose we walk in the light, just as he is in the light. Then we share life with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, makes us pure from all sin. Suppose we claim we are without sin. Then we're fooling ourselves. The truth is not in us. But God is faithful and fair. If we admit that we have sinned, he will forgive us our sins. He will forgive every wrong thing we have done. He will make us pure. If we say we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar. His word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But suppose someone does sin, then we have one who speaks to the Father for us. He stands up for us. He is Jesus Christ, the blameless one. He gave his life, life to pay for our sins. But he not only paid for our sins, he also paid for the sins of the whole world. Hello, I, uh, I know that I'm speaking to a group of people, many of whom speak perfect English, and some are struggling with English and are learning it as a second language. So I'm going to try to speak in simple words and simple ideas. If you think it's too simple, then please understand for those who may find it easier that way. Um, I've given this talk a title. I just need to see it's working. Yes, it is. 
The speaker in church today is a sinner. Well, that's true. And I plan to help us understand two things. Firstly, what it means to be a sinner. And secondly, what we can do about it. Now, last year, I spent a month traveling in China. Uh, One or two of the friends who I was with in China are here today, which is very nice. And I noticed some very interesting machines at the airports there. These machines use infrared technology to check the body temperature of all the people who pass by because they want to see if anybody's coming into the country bringing a dangerous illness with them. So this machine, if you're too hot, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, and they will take you to one side and see what's the matter with you. Now, what interested me about this was that it wasn't necessary to stand in front of the machine and wait for a minute while it took your picture. It just checked the body temperature of everybody automatically as they went past. Now, I'd like you to imagine a similar machine at the entrance of the church, yeah? But doing something a little bit different. It's not going to be checking your body temperature. Instead, it would measure your goodness level, okay? It would give you a score from zero to 100 of how good or bad you are. And I'd like you to imagine that as you come into the church, an automatic list comes up, yeah, with everybody's names on it, yeah, showing where each person is on this goodness list, yeah, with the the best at the top and the worst at the bottom. Where would you be? Near the top, among the best, in the middle, at the bottom. Would it be important for you to know where you were on the list? Would you come in and look carefully? I'm near the top or I'm near the bottom. Why would that be important for you? Now, Jesus told a story specifically for the sort of people who like to think that they were always up at the top of the list among the best. And I'm going to read that to you with a few explanations. So Jesus was speaking, and he said this to them. Two men went up to the temple to pray. The temple is like the church. One was a Pharisee. The other was a tax collector. The Pharisees were the top, top people on that list, and the the tax collectors were the bottom, bottom people on that list. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, he said. I'm not like robbers or those who do other evil things. I'm not like those who commit adultery. I'm not even like this tax collector. I don't eat food for two days a week. He thought that made him very good. And I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood far away. He would not even look up to heaven. He beat his chest and he said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I tell you, the tax collector went home accepted by God, but not the Pharisee. Isn't it interesting to notice what was important to Jesus and also what was less important? What mattered to Jesus was not which of the two men was better, but which of them was accepted by God when they went home Which of them was in a right relationship with God in the end? 
Now let's keep that thought in our mind. How can we know that we are accepted by God? How can we be in a right relationship with him? Now, as I said, the title of this talk is The Speaker in Church Today is a Sinner. Well, I'm the speaker, and I'm sad to tell you that this is true. But when you hear the word sinner and you look at me, I wonder what you think about me. Am I saying that I'm a criminal, maybe a murderer or a thief? Because if I am, you probably don't want to be here with me. Or am I some sort of terrorist? Do you think that if a police car goes by, I'll hide in the corner because I'll think they're looking for me? No. Every criminal is surely a sinner, but not every sinner is a criminal. So, what then? Maybe it's something else. I'm a married man. Am I saying that I'm a sinner because I run around with other women? Or maybe, maybe I drink too much and often get drunk. Or do my neighbors hate me because I shout at them and argue with them? Is it that sort of thing? No. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> being a sinner is not a question of being especially bad or being much worse than the other people in society. When I say that I'm a sinner, I'm not comparing myself with other people or finding where I am on that list that we had behind. The comparison that I need to make and the comparison that we all need to make is with the absolutely perfect standards of God himself. Where do we fit in that? Now, when we do that... I think you'll notice that the list is a long way down. Yeah? Because even the best people, when they are honest with God, will recognize that they fall far, far, far short of God's perfect standards. We're going to have a little drama now to help us to understand this a little bit better. So drama people, can you please come forward And uh, when the drama people are in place, um, you will need to look towards the back because uh, we have two guys who are going to come in from there.
I can't believe we did that. Yeah. I hope we didn't contaminate the place. Yeah, that guy was in really bad shape. You know what was really weird? I felt more dirty in that, in the operating theater, than I felt when, while cleaning toilets. Hmm. You know, when I really think about it, when you're in such a clean room, you can't help but realize how dirty you are. Hmm. Thank you very much. That is exactly how most people think. When Jeremy knew that Joshua had been cleaning toilets, he didn't want to shake hands with him. Oh, he's so dirty. In comparison with Joshua... He felt clean. But when they both found themselves inside the operating theater, a place which is really clean, both Joshua and Jeremy knew how dirty they were. It's easy for us to think that we are clean if we stay away from really clean places. And it's easy to think that we are good, or at least okay, if we stay away from the perfect, wonderful goodness of God himself. Now let's think for a moment about that goodness. In the first Bible reading that we had earlier, uh, the one which is on your uh, pieces of paper, if you've got that, we heard from one of Jesus' followers, John, and he wrote about Jesus saying this sort of thing. He said, we have heard him, we have seen him, We have touched him. Now, what he's saying here is, I'm not just making up stories to fit my own ideas. This is really true. But I'd just like to ask, what was it that John and his friends saw and heard? And who was it that they touched? Because they saw something really amazing in Jesus. They saw him put his hands on sick people and make them well. They saw how he came to unhappy people and he cared for them and loved them. They saw Jesus dead on a cross and then three days later alive again. In all of this, they saw the power of of God and the love of God at work in Jesus, a man like you and me, they realized, no, much, much more. Real goodness shown gloriously, wonderfully, perfectly in Jesus. And what did John and his friends hear when they listened to Jesus? They heard him speak with authority like no other teacher. They heard him say, I am the light 
of the world. Could you say that? They heard him say that he could bring sinners, like me, back into a right relationship with God. In fact, he said that he was the only one who could do that. He's the one who can really give us life. And that's why in the reading, John starts by saying, here is what we announce to everyone about the word of life. The word of life is the way that he speaks about Jesus here. Now, if you live in a dark place, I mean a really dark place, and if your clothes are dirty and your face is dirty and your hands are dirty, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't bother you because you can't see it. Nobody notices. But if you come out into the light, suddenly you see all the dirt. And John tells us here that God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. There is no hiding with God. What we are, inside and outside, is revealed in the light of God's perfect goodness. Now, I wonder what you think about that. If you know that God sees every detail inside you, is that frightening? Or is it wonderful? Another of Jesus' first followers was a man called Peter. One day, something happened uh, to show Peter the amazing power that Jesus had. And Peter's reaction is very interesting. In fact, Jesus had just helped Peter to catch lots of fish, okay? And Peter was a fisherman, so you would have thought that his reaction would be to say, this is great, okay? Please stay with me forever and ever, Jesus, and we'll go out fishing every day and catch lots of fish. But in fact, he didn't say that at all. When he saw how powerful Jesus was, he said, he said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinner, and I cannot stay with you in all of your glory. Now, Peter was not a worse man than you or me. But he was starting to recognize the huge gap that there is between God's perfect glory and us. Now, I showed you the gap like this. But I should have shown it like this, with a big gap and a gap and a gap and again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Because the truth is, that we are so far from God in ourselves that it would be absolutely impossible for us to bridge that gap to him. How does that make you feel? I asked you before how it makes you feel to know that God sees everything inside you frightening or wonderful? How does it make you feel if you truly understand the gap that there is between us and the God who made us? What can we do about this? Now, our Bible passage, the one again on the paper in front of you, if you have it, tells us two things. The first one is be honest about the rubbish in your life. 
verse 8 says this. Suppose we claim that we are without sin, then we are fooling ourselves. The truth is not in us. So be honest. Admit that you are a sinner, just as I am admitting it publicly today. Recognize all the rubbish in your life, all the selfishness, all the thoughts that you have. You don't need me to tell you about the rubbish. You know about the rubbish. God wants you to recognize that these things exist and that they separate you from him. You see, if you pretend that these things are not there, then the Bible says you fool yourself. You don't fool God because he knows, but you fool yourself, and that is a dangerous situation to be in. It's dangerous to say, oh, it's okay, God will accept me anyway. I'm okay with God. Because look at verse 6. It says, suppose we say that we share life with God, but we still walk in darkness, then we are lying. We're not living by the truth. Because what matters is not what we say about our relationship with God, but what God knows And he knows if we are walking with him or not. So the first thing to do is to recognize the truth about the problem that we have. The second thing, verse 7, is to walk in the light. Walking in the light doesn't mean that suddenly you are perfect, suddenly you do nothing wrong, and that suddenly you're up to God's level. That's not what it means. It means allowing God's light to shine into you, to show the truth about you for one very, very special reason. And that is so that you can be forgiven. Look at verse 9. It says this, God is faithful and fair. If we admit that we have sinned, He will forgive us our sins. He will forgive every wrong we have done. He will make us pure. Because that is what we need. We need forgiveness. And where does it come from? It comes from Jesus. Verse 7 says something a little bit strange if we don't know the story. Second part of verse 7, it says that the blood of Jesus makes us pure from all sin. Now, if you don't know the story, that will seem very strange. The blood of Jesus will make us clean. You wouldn't normally think that. But then you look at down at the bottom of the reading, chapter 2 and verse 2, and it says that Jesus gave his life to pay for our sins. This is because when Jesus was put on the cross and the nails were put into his hands and his feet, and his blood poured out, and he died, he was carrying in himself all the sin, all the rubbish, all the rebellion, all the wrong things in your lives and in mine. He was carrying it and paying for it. That's what it says here. He gave his life to pay for our sins. 
This is why he said that he is the only one who can bring us back into a right relationship with God. Nobody else has done what he has done. Only he can bring us back to know God and be his children. Now, I remember the joy, the utter joy when I first understood this. I had been struggling with many things in my life, but the biggest problem that I had was that I wanted to be the boss in my life. I wanted to be my own master. I was rebellious and I wanted to go my way. But when I asked Jesus for his forgiveness, I knew that I couldn't be my own master anymore. And it was a joy to hand all of my life over to him. I was giving him all the rubbish. I was giving him all the selfishness, all the sin, knowing that he had paid for this in his death on the cross. But I was also giving him my life and saying, it's not mine anymore. Please rule over me from day to day. I also remember the joy of many friends, one or two of them here today, knowing them before they knew Jesus and now that they do know Jesus and seeing the difference that he has made in their lives. Now Jesus is their savior and their Lord and they love him. Now we started with the words, the speaker at church today is a sinner. Yes, but a forgiven sinner and now a child of God. I also asked two questions. How can we know that we are accepted by God and how can we be in a right relationship with him? I hope I've answered those questions in a way that you understand. It's a question of turning to Jesus with all the rubbish in your life and with everything, your will, everything that you are and saying, Please take this and make me new. It is the most wonderful thing in all life to be in a right relationship with God. I cannot imagine life without knowing God, knowing his love in me, knowing him leading me in my life. Many people in this church would say exactly the same thing. But... What, what about you? I don't know everybody here. I'm sure there are people here who are still in some way separated. That gap that we have seen is your gap. If you would like that to be different, maybe you will say, me too. Me too. I want to know God that way. If you'd like to do that, please look at this prayer. I'm not going to pray it aloud. I'm just going to give you a minute to read through it. If these words say what you would like to say to God, then please say them to God in your own heart.
When our service is finished, there's going to be the opportunity to have tea and coffee, to talk with your friends. Please do talk about these things. And if anybody would like to talk with me, I would be very happy uh, to do that. So we're going to move on to the final song now. <laughs>